98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Pierre Chamblay. The headlines. A police union says officers should shoot protesters who throw Molotov cocktails at them. District councillors from both camps say there's no point in attending a meeting with the chief executive on Wednesday. And the consumer watchdog accuses big supermarkets of using misleading pricing. The Junior Police Officers Association says its members should consider firing live rounds at protesters who throw petrol bombs at them. The association says Molotov cocktails are unquestionably deadly weapons, and police regulations allow officers to use force that's one level higher than their attackers. Riot police have deployed tear gas, rubber bullets, and beanbag rounds, as well as water cannons, in dispersal operations. The group said officers whose lives are threatened should use reasonable and appropriate force to protect themselves and others. District councillors from both the pro-democracy Civic Party and the Beijing loyalist New People's Party say they'll boycott a meeting on Wednesday with the chief executive Carrie Lam. Mrs. Lam will meet 400 councillors as part of her strategy to find solutions to the political impasse. Gam Manfong, a New People's Party member of Tunmun Council, says councillors will have little opportunity to air their views at the two-hour discussion and meeting them isn't the right approach anyway. What the CE and also those government officers need to do now is not invite the district councillor to meet with them, but they need to go into the community to meet with the public directly. At least it shows their sincere that they would like to solve the problem. Because they are political opponent, they have their political responsibility to respond to the public's need. But about two, three months, they only hide behind the police. That's not their way to do the as a government. The Civic Party and EU, a Yao Qinmong councillor, believes the meeting is unnecessary because protesters long since made their views clear. Their views clear. He also thinks community visits by the chief executive will be bad for the public. I think it's quite dangerous for the resident because you know that when the chief executive went to、uh, visit the elderly, and they just bring many police around the chief executive, and also bring some、uh, affair to the、uh, local resident. So I don't think if if、uh, the chief executive come down to the resident, will bring health to the public. A former government chief information officer, Mark Pinkstone, says radical protesters are attempting to push Beijing to send troops into Hong Kong. Speaking on RTHK's Backchat program, Mr. Pinkstone said protesters knew their demands were impossible to meet, and the campaign had now gone far beyond its original aim of stopping the now withdrawn extradition bill. What it is is a, a direct assault on China. The、uh, the five demands we know cannot be met. They're impossible, and even the CE doesn't have the power to, to meet those demands. So, by and the protesters are saying, "Well, it's the five demands or nothing," and that means that they can prolong the、uh, the demonstrations and the riots for as long as they like. The whole idea is to force the PLA to come into Hong Kong to to fight the、uh, what's name, and then, of course, the credibility of China will just fall apart. Speaking on the same program, the Democratic Party chairman Wu Qiwei said it was possible for the chief executive to execute one key demand of the protest movement: an independent inquiry into policing. He said doing so may be a first step to ending the crisis. First of all, when we are talking about the five demands, and of course there are some priorities、um, inside the five demands. In particular, some of them do have. 
general and popular support, in particular talking about the setting up of the independent inquiry commissions. And that is totally under the jurisdiction of the CE, because that is the law stipulated saying that that is the power of the CE to set up the COI. Democistas Secretary-General Joshua Wong is in Washington, D.C. to try to rally support from U.S. lawmakers to approve the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, which aims to support democracy for the SAR. Wong will attend a congressional hearing tomorrow. RTHK's Washington, D.C.-based correspondent Barry Wood says the act has bipartisan support. This measure is likely to be approved by the Congress once the Senate fully returns and is back to business in October. It is intimately linked, in my view, with the outcome of the trade talks that will begin in October. But, of course, it would have bipartisan support. Joshua Wong is here. He will be at Georgetown University in Washington on Wednesday. And on Tuesday, he will be at the Congress in the Visitor Center with a seminar sponsored by Freedom House. Freelance journalist Chris Yang says the political situation in Hong Kong has gone from bad to worse despite the chief executive Carrie Lam caving in to one of the protesters' demands to formally withdraw the extradition bill. There were more street brawls, petrol bombs and arson attacks over the weekend with police responding with water cannon and tear gas. Mr. Young told RTHK that efforts of the government, such as attempting to set up a platform for dialogue, have done almost nothing to reduce tensions. The situation, I'm afraid, will go on for some time. I think, as uh, Carrie Lam said at the private door meeting, that it's very, very limited she, she can do. And then the Chinese government seems to they adapt the strategy of uh, play long. And that means more arrests, more clashes, more violence, and now, say, uh, even more neighborhood fights. The Consumer Council has accused major supermarkets of misleading shoppers into believing items are discounted by showing two different prices for products. Typically, the council says a higher price will be crossed out, but in most cases, the product hasn't been sold at that price in the past 30 days. The council says Welcome and its marketplace by Jason Unit are the biggest offenders using the technique in 90% of cases. Council spokesman Clement Chan said retailers were denying the public their right to accurate information. The uh, trade description ordinance actually requires traders to display if they are doing a, a two display of two prices as if they are comparing the two prices. They need to provide clear message on what are the basis of those two prices. And based on what we said, if uh, they didn't say anything, people would be reasonably expect that the uh, strike-through price was the normal retail price of the product. The coroner's court has ruled that the death of 21-year-old student inside a haunted house in Ocean Park was an accident. Zheng Chiu-Kit died in 2017 after being hit by a sliding coffin inside the Buried Alive attraction, part of the park's Halloween celebrations. Coroner Monica Chow said Mr. Zheng had followed the wrong path after riding in one of the coffins, entering a restricted area where he was struck by another coffin. Ms. Chow said staff who saw the victim walking the wrong way mistook him for another employee as he didn't react when they tried to stop him. The court didn't make any recommendations, as it said Ocean Park had already adopted measures to avoid another such tragedy. Police say they've seized 18 kilograms of what's thought to be cocaine with an estimated street value of $25 million. 
The drugs were found in a car in Tinsarwai yesterday morning after officers followed a tip-off. A man has been arrested and police say he's likely to be charged with drug trafficking and appear before magistrates in Tunmun tomorrow. Oil prices have jumped at the opening of the markets after Saturday's attack on two Saudi oil facilities, which caused a big drop in oil output. Brent crude jumped by nearly 20% before easing back slightly. Earlier, Saudi Arabia said it's making sure there won't be any shortages. Bob McNally, president of the Washington, D.C.-based Rapidan Energy Group, explains. Saudi Arabia has 180-plus million barrels of crude in storage, some near its customers in Asia and Europe. So it's going to be able to meet deliveries. But traders are going to do math, and they're going to realize if we're down four or five million barrels a day beyond a few weeks, things are going to start to get tight. Here's the problem. The equipment that was destroyed at this stabilization plant can't easily be replaced. It's very important equipment that desulfurizes, cleans up crude oil. And so if we go beyond a few weeks, the market's going to tighten up with the loss of that uh, 5% or even a little bit less. The governor of New York has announced a statewide ban on all flavored e-cigarettes as the potential health risks of so-called vaping products come under increased scrutiny. Andrew Cuomo told a news conference in Manhattan that vaping was dangerous and, was th- and that the fruit or bubblegum-type flavors on offer were clearly aimed at getting young people addicted to nicotine. I am a former cigarette smoker. It is highly addictive and highly difficult to stop and to stay away from cigarettes for the rest of your life. It is a real struggle. The addiction to nicotine is powerful. Last week, Michigan became the first state to ban the products after a recent surge in lung illnesses and six fatalities that U.S. health officials have linked to vaping. A former chief scientific advisor to the British government has told the BBC that he's frightened at how fast the climate is changing. Professor David King said the extent and speed at which ice was melting at the Earth's poles was scary. The BBC's Roger Harabin reports. Professor King told us the climate was changing faster than he expected. He said the extent of ice melt was scary, and he said weather extremes like the extraordinary heat wave in France this summer or the slow movement of Hurricane Dorian hadn't been well predicted. Some scientists we contacted said events were generally within the range of predictions from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report in 2014, although some were at the top end of forecasts. Financial news, the outgoing head of monetary authority, Norman Chan, says it's too early to say whether the local property market is in a downward spiral. Responding to reports that the housing market was under pressure due to social unrest, Mr. Chan said prices had fallen by less than 3% in recent months, which is in line with expectations as the global economy slows. He said the HKMA needed more time to assess the market before considering easing its property cooling measures. The mainland's industrial output grew at its slowest rate for 17 years last month, expanding by just 4.4% year-on-year, down from 4.8% in July. Retail sales growth has also, was also down marginally at 7.5%, while growth in fixed asset investment also slowed to 5.5%. All of the figures fell below an analyst's expectations in the latest sign of weakness for the world's second biggest economy. Currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 107.83 yen. The euro stands at 1 U.S. dollar and 10 cents. The pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 76 cents. 
A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 27,074. That's 271 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $45 billion. Sports, here's Adam Jung. The Super Bowl champions New England Patriots hammered the Miami Dolphins 43-0 to record their second straight win to start the NFL season. Wide receiver Antonio Brown scored a touchdown on his Patriots debut. He caught four passes from Tom Brady, who threw for 264 yards and two touchdowns. The miserable Dolphins got blown out for the second straight game, losing by a combined score of 102-10. to Elsewhere, the Los Angeles Rams beat the New Orleans Saints 27-9 in a rematch of last season's NFC Conference Final. Saints quarterback Drew Brees watched most of the game from the sideline after injuring his hand in the first quarter. The Rams improved to 2-0. Seattle, Dallas, Green Bay, and Kansas City have also won for a second straight week. Now, England's cricketers have taken the fifth and final Ashes test at the Oval, winning by 135 runs to level the series at 2-2. Australia had already retained the Ashes by winning last week's fourth test. Set 399 to win, Australia were dismissed for 263, despite a century from Matthew Wade. England's Stuart Broad and Jack Leach each took four wickets. England captain Joe Root says his team can be proud of how they finished the summer. We always talk about character. This team's got it in abundance. You know, it was more of a template this week of how we want to do things moving forward. We've still got lots of things we want to improve on and develop and get better at, but it's a step in the right direction. Australia's Steve Smith was named player of the series after compiling an aggregate total of 774 runs despite missing one game. He was disappointed that his side fell short of a series victory. We came here to win the Ashes and unfortunately we weren't able to do that in, in this test match. Uh, we were outplayed by a very good England outfit and um, not the sort of fairy tale finish we were after but um, you know that's cricket and it's, it's been just a, an amazing series of cricket. It's been great to be involved in. To football in the English Premier League, where Arsenal threw away a two-goal lead at halftime and ended up drawing 2-2 against bottom club Watford at Vicarage Road. Watford's new boss, Kike Sanchez-Flores, says his players will take plenty of confidence from their performance. They realize that uh, they are able to do all these kind of things against, uh, against a team like uh, with the quality of Arsenal, high quality, so it's okay. But every single match in Premier League, we know it's different and we know it's completely tough. So the most important thing now is uh, we got some point, one point against a very tough team. Uh, it's good for our confidence. In the other Premier League game, Bournemouth ended a two-game losing streak with a 3-1 win at home over Everton. And that's your look at sports. The news from RTHK. A sunny morning. The smell of freshly baked pineapple buns. The ding-ding of a tram as we head to work. Neighbors laughing. The beguiling beauty of our harbor and skyline. This wonderful city has been built with the love and sweat of everyone. Treasure Hong Kong, our home.
Monday and welcome to the 123 show on RTHK Radio 3. I'm Cruz McCalligan and sounding peppier than I think I feel on this Monday morning. I'm still getting used to the fact. I'm, I've been on this earth for over 30 years and I'm still getting used to the fact that Mondays happen. But here we are, and I'm happy to be here. We've got a really cool show lined up for you today. Um, we're going to start with a look at the weather, which I know sounds a little bit boring, but we have in studio an actual expert, an actual weather man. Uh, we're going to be joined by climate scientist H.W. Tong from the Hong Kong Observatory just before 1.30 today, and we're going to be chatting about his career as a meteorologist, if we're allowed to call him that. I'm going to find out. Um, then after 2 p.m., we're going to be exploring 